Hi, all. Welcome back to Woe is Media, episode 10. Annabelle, what you got on the docket for today? Well, Alyssa, I have two stories that uh, are very scientific in nature, actually. <gasps> so, yeah, we're going to channel our inner Bill Nye's today and talk a little bit about um, climate change and the summit that President Biden had this week for world leaders and what everybody's going to do to kind of get our act together because the planet's dying. Ooh, and we're also going to talk about SpaceX and their launch this week to the International Space Station. So we'll get into that a little later. What have you got? On this docket, I have very female is future vibes going on today i have a comic book that will be coming out this summer that is written by a former game of thrones star and a netflix movie that has just been announced that is based off of another young adult novelist that i don't know about you but i personally had a field day with her growing up but anyways that's what I have for today okay seems like a good mix so I call this uh first story champs for climate change which was I don't know if you know this but um President Biden one of his German shepherds his name is champ oh I'm very aware and the other one's name is major that's right champ and major they have full access to the oval office because they are good boys um I mean, w- one of them can be contested, but. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> you haven't heard those stories about how he like bit people in the o- in the White House and he had to go to like training? I'm not sure I knew that. Oh. It'll have to be a story for another time though. He's back now, but yeah, he had to go to training. But yes, they're good boys in, in their hearts. In their hearts, yes. yes. They want to be good, but. Yes. Um... <laughs> anyway, dogs aside. <laughs> dogs aside, so President Biden has kind of, decided that climate change is really something that he wants to tackle. And he has resolved to take action on climate change and has decided that he's going to put this issue at the center of foreign policy. So this week, he kind of made a big major promise and vowed to cut emissions rates in the United States, at least in half from 2005 levels by 2030. So this is like, yeah, that's a lot of emissions to cut. um, And there's going to be a lot that has to go into how we're gonna get there and I'll get into that a little bit later. But um, so John Kerry is Joe Biden's climate change captain and he basically has opined on this. And he said that he believes the emissions goal is ambitious but he, do think, he does think it's appropriate and achievable, which is good. And I feel like if we've learned anything from President Biden's previous goals with the vaccination, that's, that's, you know, that's kind of what he's been shooting for is those numbers that like, you can get there if you hustle, but it's not necessarily an easy goal. We want so. obtainable. Yes, that's right. You got to follow smart goal making, right? Yes. <laughs> Measurable, attainable, <laughs> time-based. Um, so yeah. And he also believes that there's going to be a lot of breakthroughs in renewable energy and electric battery storage kind of between now and 2030. So John Kerry, who's kind of the expert on this, he basically thinks that this is very much something that could happen. Um, So that's definitely good that he thinks we're kind of within reach of that. What I guess is in question is obviously we don't have to talk about how volatile the current political climate is and things have, things swing, you know, and 
one administration might focus on something and then the next administration might completely undo it. And then yeah. the next administration might go back to what was originally done and then back and forth ping ponging. And that's kind of the fear with this is there's kind of a fear that future presidents are gonna take some of the progress backward if the political agendas change. Um, because obviously there's a big difference in what Democrats believe in terms of climate change and what Republicans believe. A lot of Republicans think it's not necessarily that big of an issue and like, even if it is something to tackle, it's going to really hurt the economy, whereas Democrats believe we have to invest in the planet um, and there's ways to create jobs without hurting the economy, um, but still keeping everybody, you know, a little bit more environmentally conscious. So, Heck yeah. John Kerry says no politician, I think, can change what is now happening in the marketplace. So as we've talked in previous episodes about like General Motors, um, I'll talk about one of Elon Musk's companies today, not Tesla, but SpaceX. Um, you know, there's a lot of companies in the marketplace that like, without necessarily being dictated from, you know, the government, they're investing in, you know, electronic cars and more renewable energy sources and things like that. So a lot of corporations, thankfully, have taken some of the initiative to kind of drive that emission cost down, um, which is definitely a good thing. And hopefully that will be progress that's continuing to be made. So this summit that happened, it was a two-day summit on climate change because scientists have been warning governments that they have to take action to prevent global temperatures from rising more than 1.5 degrees above pre-industrial levels. So basically what that means is if those keep creeping up and pre-industrial means like, you know, the industrial revolution, but so if those temperatures keep rising, there's going to be mass species extinctions, water shortages, extreme weather events, like a certain storm that happened in the great state of Texas. We have to stop talking about this because it just brings up too many bad memories. No, I'm just going to try and, you know, bring it up in every episode I possibly can. It's fun. <laughs> just trigger me every chance you get. Every time. Um, yeah, so extreme weather events and these what nobody talks about with climate change but what needs to be talked about is the fact that like all of those terrible things that can happen if the climate keeps creeping up you know who that's going to impact are the poorest countries absolutely and the poorest countries are the ones not causing the problem mm-hmm. it's the rich companies that are or companies excuse me the rich countries that are you know doing all the manufacturing and have people out on the roads all the time and things like that um But President Biden has taken some good steps already. He's rejoined Paris Climate Accord, which we know President Trump took us out of um, when he was in office. So we are back in that. Um, And all of the nations who are part of this uh, Paris Agreement, they have to announce their new target for emission cuts at a United Nations conference in Scotland in November. So hopefully all the other major players in the world will kind of have their numbers ready to go and figure out like what is attainable for their country to achieve. Um, And hopefully it's pretty in line with the US numbers. So Thursday morning, there was an executive order that the White House will seek to end investments in carbon intensive fossil fuel projects abroad. So that's something else that President Biden is kind of looking to cut off. He's trying to transition us more, you know, off the fossil fuels train into the renewable sector, which is definitely a positive for the environment. Um, and this summit was cool because it was the first of its kind to be hosted by a U.S. president. Oh, so nice. yeah, they're usually held at like United Nations conferences or things like that. So normally it's, kind of cool. it's Greta Thunberg out here by herself, bless her heart. I, I know, right? I know. Maybe Biden ought to invite her to the White House, see Honestly? what her ideas are. <laughs> 
Um, so right now, in terms of like global players with carbon emissions, um, India and China are the two biggest emitters of greenhouse gases. But China has not like commit committed yet to any sort of cuts. Um, they need to, but they haven't. No, they uh, haven't. And India has not either. But kind of the issue with India is like the wealth disparity in India is really, really bad. Like they have a, like a decent amount of like very wealthy people. And then they have a lot of poverty in India, um, especially based on how large their population is. So it makes sense that the three biggest countries like us, India and China would be the biggest, you know, carbon emissions emitters, but that doesn't mean we can't do better. Absolutely um, not. And just with the states being, you know, a wealthier country with, you know, leadership who's actively thinking about this now, I think it's like important for us to kind of like lead by example and hopefully China and India, like when they're able to kind of reassess things more, hopefully they'll be able to do that. For a long time, America did have the highest carbon emissions rates, but they've been on the decline in the last couple of decades, which is good. And it needs Yay, to progress. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and some people they think that President Biden's goal of cutting emissions in half isn't even big enough because America's been kind of the problem <laughs> for so long. Um, imagine that. Yeah, imagine that. And what's also a little is the fact that a third of the fall in greenhouse gas emissions have been from the pandemic. A third have been from COVID. And everybody's getting vaccinated and going back out again and offices and workplaces are starting to reopen which while it's a good thing and we want to go back to normalcy, it's not, not so good <laughs> for the environment. So nature uh, is no longer healing. Yeah, that's right. So I think uh, we're expected to see a little bit of a rebound in carbon emissions as businesses reopen and kind of the economy revamps again. But there are, you know, some factors at play here that we kind of need to maybe consider in terms of like strategies for how we're going to end up reducing this. But the tricky thing for any of these strategies is if they're going to be signed into law, obviously they have to go through Congress and Congress is like pretty much split 50-50. The Senate is split 50-50. Mm -hmm. It's not going to be easy to pass like anything if it is like a very, you know, partisan bill. So that's going to be kind of the, the tricky thing here is to maneuver both sides of the aisle. But some strategies potentially to reduce carbon emissions quickly would be requiring utilities companies to install more wind and solar power, getting Americans to buy electric vehicles, usually through something like a federal tax credit or something like that, um, forcing oil and gas companies to slash methane emissions, because those are the main, that's the main asset that causes a lot of the problem is methane in addition to the carbon. Mm -hmm. um, and a couple of weeks ago, when we talked about President Biden's infrastructure bill, that proposal includes tax incentives for clean energy and electric vehicles. Um, but obviously we know right now that is still just a plan. It's not signed into law yet. It hasn't gone through Congress. So all that is still up in the air right now. Um, but while we talked about how a lot of businesses are investing in like cleaner energy and electric vehicles and things like that, market forces by themselves are not gonna get this done. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's, there's so many people on this planet and, you know, there's, there's a lot of companies who are causing problems too. Um, so kind of another idea that's been potentially floated would be a carbon price. So this would require the biggest polluters to pay for their CO2 emissions output. 
Um, and this is not like a super radical idea. Canada and the EU, they already do this. So major corporations, I know, right? That's <laughs> cleaner air in Canada and the EU, but- um, Radical. It's not, not something we have here. Um, it is a good idea though. I mean, a lot of experts have said that the US could potentially cut emissions very significantly carbon tax um so you would be taxing the baseline idea right now is 40 dollars per metric ton of gas emitted and then it, that goes up five percent annually so it doesn't sound much but it you know 40 bucks times the millions and millions of tons that these companies are emitting you know that'll add up and that'll definitely affect their bottom line so it's definitely effective an effective way to get companies to change and start thinking about the environment and more of a long-term profitability solution as opposed to a short-term profitability solution, which makes the stock pop. So, um, but that's, even if it is something that's been going on in Europe and Canada, even President Biden, who is like excited to tackle this, he's not super keen on that idea either. He's not really talked a ton about it. Um, he's kind of shied away from it. And that's obviously going to be a tough sell with a lot of the lawmakers that are in Congress right now. So, mm -hmm. I think probably a more realistic picture that we're looking at here is federal tax credits for electric vehicles, like we discussed. Um, hopefully, if an infrastructure bill does get passed, there'll be something in there about the charging station, so that'll be more accessible and people aren't like as scared to drive electric vehicles. Um, and then hopefully more investment in wind and solar energy. So those are historically options that are a little bit more bipartisan. So um, we'll have to see what happens, but I mean, Right now, in order to kind of really fix things, they'd have to make some major, major changes. Like more than half of the new cars and SUVs that are sold in the US, those would need to be electric vehicles. They would need to close all coal fire plants. They would need to expand the forest significantly because as we know, trees recycle the carbon dioxide and emit oxygen. So trees are absolutely a positive thing. Mm -hmm. um, and then obviously wind and solar are two green renewable energy options that are very popular. Um, so those solar panels and wind turbines and construction of those, that would roughly need to increase like four times, like quadruple it basically. So this is, this is a little daunting, like talking about all the numbers and just how much the states are going to have to do to really kind of get that number down. Um, but I'm personally glad to hear that there are ideas and that things are being discussed because I think a lot of times there is a lot of pressure put on the individual consumer to mm -hmm. kind of really reduce their carbon footprint. And don't get me wrong, that is important. Like individual people absolutely can make a difference. Oh yeah. But I do think that like, you know, you driving your car 20 minutes to work is not nearly as significant as like, what these big old companies are doing. Yeah, is Nike basis. like manufacturing all of our shoes, you know? Yeah. It's no, not, totally not exactly, agree. yeah, it's not an apples to apples comparison. So I guess if we all just keep keep walking and keep uh, keep recycling and, uh, <laughs> you know, reduce, reduce our footprint as much as we can, hopefully um, the companies will keep, keep that up as well. Um, I think a lot of people are kind of hesitant with this goal, mainly because China and India and Russia also has not committed to any sort of numbers. And a lot of Republicans are very scared that our economy is going to suffer compared to these and the Russians, um, mm -hmm. which I mean, understandable, they're very much like political rivals of ours. And we don't necessarily want to see them, you know, beat us basically, because <laughs> we like to be number one and everything. But um, 
I really think it's important to think about like maybe a short-term sacrifice for a long-term gain. Absolutely. So that's kind of my take on this. What do you think about all this, Alyssa? I am totally for it. I wholeheartedly believe in climate change and I've been hearing a lot about this obviously this week because Earth Day was this past week. And hearing about the climate summit, it's just something that I'm very excited that like politicians are actually looking into, you know, obviously just because you say you're going to do something doesn't mean it's always going to get done, but just being able to start the conversation, I feel will take us to the point of being able to make this a reality. Also randomly, you said the term baseline during your, uh, (laughs) during your segment. And I started singing a song called baseline and that's why I was dancing a minute ago. So (laughs) it it made me happy because now anytime someone says baseline, I'm like baseline, check it with the baseline. baseline." (laughs) Shout out if you know that song. I was playing tennis earlier and I was running around on the baseline. So that's probably why that was in my head. Oh, <laughs> look at you. You could listen to baseline while running the baseline. That's right. Yeah. All right. So that's all I've got for our first story with um, champs for climate change. So hopefully we're on the up and up here. Hopefully uh, if there's any future administrations that are not as on board with climate change, hopefully they'll just kind of leave it be and maybe we'll just fight them. Changes. It's fine. Yeah, we'll see. Okay, so for my second story, um, everybody loves to talk about space. It's the final frontier. Yeah, it is. It is the great unknown. It is something that people have not been super hype about since the 60s and 70s when the space race is going on against Russia. Um, but that was a great like, point. I didn't think about that, but you're absolutely correct. Well, I think also it's because there's a lot of issues on Earth that maybe are a little bit more pertinent than getting to the moon and you know, <laughs> things like that. I mean, I could be wrong, but also Possibly. as we'll get into a little bit later, um, you know, space stuff is expensive. It costs a lot of money. <laughs> and uh, imagine that it costs money to leave this planet. I know, I know for real. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's, it's pricey. So there hasn't been a big focus on it, but where people have been kind of picking up the slack is in the private sector. So, private space companies have kind of been something interesting that I wanted to cover. Um, So Saturday morning, which was yesterday at the time of this recording, um, (laughs) SpaceX, which if you don't know, SpaceX is a privately held um, space operations company um, that is owned by Elon Musk, who's also the CEO of Tesla. So Elon's got a lot of projects here, um, but SpaceX, they are responsible for building and launching rockets, both with and without crews. So this week on SpaceX's Dragon capsule autonomously docked with the International Space Station after Falcon 9 launched the spacecraft to orbit from the Kennedy Space Center almost 24 hours prior on Friday. So this is the first human spaceflight mission to fly astronauts on a flight proven Falcon 9 and Dragon. So this like those are the names of the capsule and like the rocket. Yeah. Uh, everything like has its label. So this is their first like human space flight. Um, so that's exciting. Um, so there are four astronauts on this flight. So there are two NASA astronauts. So they're from the United States. Their names are Shane Kimbrough and Megan MacArthur. So oh, Shane, woman. Yeah, Shane is the commander and Megan is the pilot. So we got a female pilot flying the ship. Heck yeah. That's right. 
And then there is a JAXA astronaut. And JAXA is basically Japan's version of NASA. Oh, um, here for it. Mm -hmm. And Akihiko Hoshid is the name of that astronaut. I hope Hoshide. I Hoshide, thank you. I hope I pronounced that. But you did great with the first name. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> and then the fourth guy was a European astronaut from France named Thomas Pesquet. So they flew on the dragon and I'll stop doing my French accent because it's Le poisson. Le dragon. They had the croissant on the dragon. That's right. Oh, <laughs> weird. So this mission will stay on the International Space Station for six months. Um, and the mission is Alpha, which is named after the Alpha Centauri, which is the closest stellar system to Earth. So even though the pilot and the commander are American, it's a French tradition to name space missions after stars or constellations which I think is like pretty common in the States too. Like we've definitely seen like the Gemini's and you know, the Apollo's and yes. there's a lot of, there's some similarities there I think in the, in the tradition. Um, so this is the third ever crewed flight for SpaceX. So that was pretty exciting. Um, and this is the first to make use of a previously flown rocket booster and spacecraft. So I'm sure a lot of people know this, but like when rockets are launched, like, the boosters they come off and they yes. just they go god knows where like they, they <laughs> float in space or they disintegrate and come back down to earth oh, or to the ocean yeah to the ocean they just like land somewhere but um one of the core values of spacex is reusability and keeping costs down um which i think is really why a lot of the space travel and exploration has gone into the private sector because these companies are focusing more on how they can reuse their previous equipment and their rockets, which is obviously going to be less expensive. And NASA, that was never really something that was on the table for them. So it's a little bit more uh, economical to do that. So this was the first reuse of hardware for a crew mission. So that's kind of fun. Um, when they were waiting during uh, communication and safety checks, it's apparently a superstitious tradition that any space flight that launches from the Kennedy Space Center in Florida while you're waiting, you got to play rock, paper, scissors. Oh, I love that. That's so wholesome. Yeah, I thought that was fun too. I mean, that's just like just a classic thing you do when you're bored and you're like waiting in line. You're like, okay, rock, paper, scissors, shoot. <laughs> so, but um, yeah, so that was exciting. Uh, it landed its first stage rocket booster on an ocean platform. So they'll be able to use that later for a future mission because again, that's kind of what they're focusing on is reusability. Um, and a lot of people don't totally get the fact that NASA is working in conjunction with SpaceX. So SpaceX is doing like all the building and the engineering, but NASA is obviously providing the personnel, the astronauts, like astronauts don't like work for SpaceX. No. Um, so, but they are basically under a contract for $2.6 billion um, and it's used to kind of develop that Dragon spacecraft we talked about. Mm -hmm. um, and it uses NASA's commercial crew program. So NASA, like I said, provides all of the astronauts. And then with this one, we obviously have a couple of international friends on board too. So, but this is the first time the agency has handed building and testing of a spacecraft that a crew could fly on to a private sector company. Like in the past, it's only exclusively been NASA rockets and space shuttles that have held people. So. I don't want to say that it's risky because obviously this stuff goes through a copious amount of testing 
before they ever let people on board. And then by the time they finally do, you know, they know that it's very safe, but it is like different to see kind of the government loosen their grip a little bit on astronauts and the space program and kind of entrust the private sector. So I think it's an interesting look at that for sure. Here for it. Mm -hmm. So while they're up there, the astronauts are going to focus on studying something called tissue chips which are small models of human organs containing multiple cell types, which sounds riveting. <laughs> Can't say I'm uh, that big into biology, um, but basically what's kind of cool, and I didn't realize this, because they're in a microgravity environment up there in the Interna International Space Station, it gives scientists a better fundamental understanding of how things work. Mm -hmm. So I, I guess, I don't know, I always thought that astronauts went up into space and they studied like moon rocks or asteroids or like comets just like stuff like that but no they're just like studying biology and yeah the labs on the international space station and see kind of how it uh how it's affected by space and if they can take that data back down to earth so they're really focused on advancing of drugs and vaccines um and continue the study of biological phenomena on the ISS. So um, how appropriate that they're going to study vaccine <laughs> up in space and see. I, I wonder if the, if the astronauts were vaccinated for coronavirus before they went up there. Getting it on a timely manner. We love it. I know. Absolutely. So, but pilot Megan MacArthur said the ascent was incredible. The ride was really smooth and we couldn't have asked for anything better. So this is the third launch in under a year for NASA's commercial crew program. So I'm sure they will have future flights for us to talk about, but they're up there for the next six months. Um, and yeah, it seems like it's a good crew. And the commander, whose name I mentioned a little bit earlier, um, Kimbrough, he is actually an Atlanta boy. So he's hey. a guy. Where hey. mm -hmm. so everybody um, Japan and France. <laughs> what about the woman? I didn't look this up. I saw that she was not from Atlanta, so I don't remember where <laughs> and she is. And that's all that um, Annabelle needed to know before she lost interest. What's her what? name again? I'm an ATLian. The Megan uh, MacArthur, she is, yeah, she's the pilot. Look at you shouting out Outcast. I love it. So, yeah, they'll be up there for six months. Hopefully they'll have some wheels we'll to report. and i'm sure spacex will have a lot of other um missions going forward for us to report on oh wow she's from honolulu oh that is cool i did not see that but that is very cool that is awesome i kind of want to give her a new haircut when she eventually gets back just based <laughs> on this one picture but she has a lovely face and she's very intelligent so she doesn't even need my advice <laughs> go on with your bad self megan <laughs> She's a NASA pilot. Yes. <laughs> she and I'm sitting in my kitchen. <laughs> podcasting about the space launch. <laughs> all right. That's all I've got for us today. Alyssa, what about you? Okay. Annabelle, were you a comic book reader as a child? Um, I read a couple graphic novels, but I, do, I have limited knowledge here. Well, I want you to prepare yourself. Because coming July 21st, M-O-M, Mother of Madness, hits Ooh. shelves. Okay. This series with Image Comics 
has actually been produced by Amelia Clark. That's awesome. Famous from Game of Thrones, Me Before You, Mother of Dragons, Mother of Dragons, Breaker of Chains. I just happened to come across this story and I thought it was something really interesting that we haven't really talked about before because. Uh, Not only is it just like yay women, but it's also a really interesting story of how this got started. She literally said that she was in the car with her friends and she's always been a big superhero fan, which I'll get more into in a second. And she was just like, what if I wrote a comic book? And they were just like, yeah, that's funny. And she was like, no, but seriously, no, but I'm going to do this. (laughs) I want to do this. So MOM mother of madness is a three-issue image comic miniseries that will be released this summer. And I'm not sure if you're familiar with image comics. They're not as big as like, obviously like Marvel, DC. Um, I also know about Mirage because that's where the Ninja Turtles got started. So mm-hmm. I know about them. But Image is most famous for The Walking Dead. Mm-hmm. Kick-Ass. Nice. Stanley. Sorry, not Stanley. Stanley's my child. <laughs> Um, Also some series called Invincible, Spawn, Savage Dragon, and Saga, which I just want my like rap name to be Savage Dragon. Yeah, that's a good one. That is the coolest title ever. Anyways, (laughs) so this story is also co-written by Marguerite Bennett, who also has history in comic book writing. And it tells the story of single mother Maya, who discovers she has superpowers and she uses them against human traffickers. Oh, okay. Isn't that awesome? Awesome. That's a little heavy, I guess, than I would have thought a comic book would go. But I mean, I like that she's not scared to tackle issues like that. It's funny that you mentioned that because I feel that a lot of people don't realize just how dark some comic books can become. If, for instance, I know, like I said a minute ago, I'm a big fan of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, have been all my life, and they got started in comic books. A lot of people just think like, oh, they were a Saturday morning cartoon, and it's very lighthearted, and they just say, Calabunga and eat pizza. No, the actual original Mirage comic books of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, like they were killing people on a daily basis. Wow. It was very graphic. It was very violent. Even just some of the DC and Marvel um, subplots of very famous characters, such as like Batman and Wonder Woman, they have very intense stories. Like Wonder Woman 1984, the movie that just came out, the character, the main villain, I can't remember his name at this point, but there was actually a storyline that was much more intense than what was shown in the movie. And I know a lot of people before the film came out were like, are they actually going to go there? And from what I can tell, they didn't. I didn't Mm -hmm. really watch the movie that much because I heard it was trash. Anyway, I heard the same. (laughs) But going back. So Amelia Clark has described Mother of Madness as having Deadpool-esque tongue-in-cheek humor. Mm -hmm. And is, quote, very current on feminist sensibilities. Great. I love it. Don't you? Did you ever watch Deadpool? I've seen bits and pieces of it. Yeah, I, th- I think I watched it on an airplane once. Okay, cool. Deadpool is very like meta humor. Like he's mm-hmm. very willing to make fun of like the superhero genre as a whole. And he's not afraid to make fun of himself either, which I thoroughly enjoy. So it also plays on the fact that, you know, we, especially during COVID, we have discussed the idea that doctors, 
caretakers are superheroes. Mm-hmm. So having a single mother who is also a superhero, it has a little connection in that, which I think is awesome because, mm-hmm. you know, single mothers and stay-at-home mothers in general, I feel that they do not get enough credit because, you know, there's always this glorification of men staying home to take care of children, which is great, fantastic, we love that. But when it becomes an issue of men are put on a pedestal for doing the same thing that women have been doing for generations, it's sexist. (laughs) No, it absolutely is. And like single women, who do raise kids like those can really be like I don't know that's just like an incredibly hard situation that I personally like could not imagine being in and to successfully like raise children by yourself without a partner to tag team anything with like financially Mm -hmm. task-wise whatever that's that's just a tremendous accomplishment yeah I absolutely think there's a there's more recognition that needs to be there for single moms yes And even for women who choose to become a single mother, like they choose to do it. Like there's never a situation of, oh, my spouse died. We're no longer together. Like they're just like, I'm at a point in my life where I'm financially stable and I would like to have a child. And I think that's awesome. Yeah, no, absolutely. I have a lot of respect for those people. Yes. So Clark, Like I mentioned, she has a history as a fangirl of superhero movies. And in the article from Entertainment Weekly that I read about this story, she talks about going to conventions and like Comic-Con and stuff like that for like Game of Thrones and just Mm -hmm. being her own little fangirl self. She walked around a lot and noticed that women weren't really included in the narrative, Mm -hmm. basically through, you know, administrative roles or just as fans themselves. And she really wanted to produce this story to show that you are included in this. Because mm-hmm. I don't know if you're familiar with the gamer girl atmosphere kind of situation. A little bit. Okay. Not so extensively, but. There's this belief among some people, not all, that women who are interested in things like comic books and video games and traditionally, here we go again with the gender roles, boyish you know, activities, they're just doing it to get attention. Right. You know, you can't have- Not the case. Absolutely not. You can't have a genuine interest in something that does not fit your binary gender role. I think that's absolutely atrocious that we allow people to believe this kind of stuff. It's malarkey, yeah. Like, who are you to say what people can like and dislike? Malarkey. Malarkey. I love it. So I really liked that she tackled that subject. You know, even as- Daenerys Targaryen like mother of dragons she's like the biggest person in the Game of Thrones franchise and she has even experienced this type of stuff at like conventions where she's a guest like that's terrible yeah it is terrible and I know there's like definitely been situations I've read about like comic book writers that have gone to conventions and people like see her and she walks up to them and is like oh hi I don't know any names off the top of my head I apologize for that but they'll automatically assume that she's either a fan or like not a writer you know and she's like actually I wrote this you know like she points Mm -hmm. to like the big like name like and she's just like I did that that's me (laughs) yeah I'm surprised like just with how famous she is you would think that people would recognize her if they saw her. Mm-hmm. 
but oh no not necessarily amelia clark but i'm saying with like other comic book writers oh yeah mm -hmm. yeah that have experienced that sure. um mom mother of madness has also had the benefit of an all-female creative team yes see so i thought that was really cool and when i say benefit i just mean that you know when it comes to telling personal stories such as like a single mother i feel that it's very important that you get feminine ideas yeah in the boardroom for this because it's very hard to create a character that is relatable as well as likable when mm -hmm. the people that are creating them and having a say in how they're being portrayed in media has no connection to them whatsoever. Right. And I would also imagine that while obviously any person of any gender could be a comic book reader, Absolutely. I would imagine this would be slightly geared toward like women and young girls and stuff like that. So if you want to know your audience the best. Yes, we would then, assume, you know. Yeah. Now that does not mean any gentleman or someone who does not conform to either gender binary. Mm -hmm. If you want to go out and read MOM Mother of Madness, you do it. We fully right. support it. I know. I might have to check it out. I have not read any comics since my Betty and Veronica and Archie days. Yes, so, you never work. That's obviously a little bit different, but this is like um if Betty decided I don't need Archie, I'm going to have my own boy. Which she doesn't. She doesn't need Archie. Nobody needs no Archie. one needed Archie. Like no. Betty and Veronica. Like, he can never make up his damn mind. There is, you don't need to deal with that. Like, no, make it absolutely good. not. Um, what was it that I was going to say? Do, 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 do. Oh, if you have a chance uh, to look up the cover art, it is gorgeous. Like I'm really into the design of this cover and it even has a reminiscent feel of are you familiar with Pussy Riot? Yes, the Russian group. Yes, the who is, yeah. Mm -hmm. they, were, they got in trouble, right? For yes, their they're very um, open about their political beliefs, and they're mm -hmm. like almost like a protest band in that way. Mm -hmm. But Maya's mask that she wears when she is fighting crime is almost like a balaclava, like the members of Pussy Riot wear, which I thought was like really cool, like little nod to that. I see it. Yeah, that's. It's a little spooky, but I like it. Okay, maybe that's why I liked it so much. They almost have the Coraline like eye buttons going on here yes. too. Yes. Oh my gosh. Oh, side note, this is really random, but Coraline's one of my favorite movies. Annabelle knows this, but I was in Target the other day and they had like a Coraline doll like they have in the movie and I wanted to buy it so bad, but then I saw that it was like $35 for a doll and I was like, I don't know if I'm ready to spend that kind of money just yet. Maybe not. That's a big commitment. Yeah, for a doll. For a doll. <laughs> but yeah, this story was really short, but I just wanted to say yay women. Yay women in the comic book world, um, fictional and non-fictional. And just shout out to Amelia Clark for seeing something that she was really interested in and being a go-getter. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it's cool when celebrities like to delve into like other parts of content creation from what they normally do, like when actors start singing or like if they develop their own like clothing brands or something like that. So, and this is definitely not a pivot that I've seen anybody do before going from being like a major silver screen and small screen actress into one of the most 
from one of the most popular TV shows like yeah. of this decade into comic book writing. I mean, that's very like bold of her, but mm-hmm. our moves only. I respect it. Yeah. Okay. So the next story is also uh, focused on women. Annabelle, are you familiar with the works of Sarah Dessen? Yes. Yes. I read a couple of those books. Okay. So Sophia Alvarez, who was the woman responsible for adapting to all the boys I loved before and its sequels mm-hmm. for Netflix has been announced as, pardon me, the person who will now adapt Sarah Dessen's Along for the Ride for Netflix. Are you familiar Ooh. with that book? I think I did read this one a while ago. Yes, I think I read it at camp one year. Oh, I love that. I never personally read this specific book, but I always remembered seeing it in like the Books a Million section um, of the young adult area. Like I always remembered the cover because it was like two people on a bike. On a bike, yeah. <laughs> that was all I remembered. They never but, have like faces in her covers. They're just- No, they do not. Like, they're lower hops. It's very much like, um peanuts world like all the adults have like wah, 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 wah. Um, anonymity, yeah. yes so along for the ride is a young adult novel that was published in 2009 and sophia alvarez is also going to be making her directorial debut with this movie it's going to be it. filmed in north carolina which i thought was really interesting because normally i don't know about you but when i hear about filming almost entirely when it comes to like films that are made in America, they're all filmed in Vancouver. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess if I remember correctly, like the setting is a little bit more of like a, a Southern town. So I think it makes sense that it would be in North Carolina. I feel like I don't know. It sounds like Dawson's Creek kind of vibes to me. Like it kind of gave me the last song vibes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which fun fact was filmed near in, where I live. Georgia. So. That's right. Yes, so. It took place in North Carolina, I think, but it was Georgia where it was filmed. If I remember correctly, also the name of the town is uh, one of my ex's names. So we will not be speaking about that. <laughs> I was like, oh no. Um, but anyways. Skip that little tidbit. <laughs> uh, you know, just a little, little, personal anecdote um as for the cast emma passero will mm-hmm. be starring as main character auden west and belmont carmelli will be starring as main love interest eli stock and emma Prassero, i looked up on her imdb i could not find anything really that I or you would know her from maybe other people you know can look her up and be like oh I know her from this I personally didn't so that doesn't mean anything but um as for Belmont Carmelli I'm sorry I cannot this name (laughs) he currently stars as Jamie Spano on the Saved by the Bell reboot on Peacock okay and I also loved this on his um imdb page he was in an episode of empire way back in 2018 and he was credited as cute guy i love that 
I just had to include that. That just Casting credits include cute guy. Cute guy from Empire. I know. I want that on my resume. Cute girl. Right? Yeah. Just like, oh, just so you know. um, I'm cute. Cute girl. (laughs) Also starring in the film will be Kate Bosworth from Superman Returns, Andy McDowell from Groundhog Day, and Dermot Moroni. I can never say his name right. I'm sorry. Dermot Moroni from My Best Friend's Wedding. Mm -hmm. Have you seen any of those films? So Andy McDowell, she is in that movie with the British guy. Oh gosh, what is it? I'm looking it up right now. Okay. Is it Four Weddings and a Funeral? Oh yes, Mm -hmm. she is in that. That's that's mostly what I've seen. With the British guy. I forgot the actor's name. That's that's such a good movie. Not Hugh Grant, is it? It is Hugh Grant. That's right. I can't believe I forgot that. That's such a good film, though. Yeah, that, that's my favorite Andy McDowell film, for sure. I don't know why, but I always, when I think of, like, stereotypical, like, English-British guy, I automatically go to Hugh Grant. No, that's a good pick. Yeah. I, I was, like, picturing Eddie Redmayne. I don't know why. That would have been before his... I mean, uh, also a great stereotypical British I know. guy. Um, oh, I also have, on the second page of my notes, do you know who Genevieve Hanelius is? I do not. Okay, so you may not know her by name, but you may know her by her, like, face. Did you ever watch American Vandal? I did. She was in that. She was the pretentious girl that was really, like, set on getting a scholarship. She Uh, was also... Summer, was that her name? Genevieve Hanelius. No, the the character, I mean. I can't remember, honestly. She was also in the notorious Disney Channel show Dog with a Blog. Uh, yes, can't say I watched that one, but uh, no, can't can't say on my end either. Uh, I also think she was in um, a group of bumps on the Disney Channel. Do you know what a bump is? Like a bumper show? I don't actually. Are those the ones like what? Um, as the bell rings and like those short little five minute ones between yep. episodes and movies. You got it, babe. I got you, babe. Um, <laughs> but she was in. I believe, I don't think she was in Mike's super short show, but she was in like the next incarnation of Mike's super short show. Gotcha. Okay. So like after our Disney channel days mm-hmm. is when she came into the scene. Yeah, I mean, Krista I think Carl. I was still watching it and that's why I recognized her at first. So no judgment. Krista Carlisle is the name of her character on American Krista, Vandal. yes, yes. Um, that also goes on to my next point. Um, I don't have much on this, obviously, because it's still a developing story, but I just wanted to highlight um, the names of the characters in this book and how white they all sound. So we have- Oh, that's right. Yeah, I mean, those are- Are you ready? Yeah, let's go. Main character's name is Auden, Mm -hmm. not Audrey, not Aubrey, Auden. Auden? We have Balissa- Balissa with a B? Yeah, my 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 cousin once removed. I'm A with an Alyssa, and she's B with a Balissa. Okay. Yeah, Hollis. Uh huh. Thisby. Thisby. Okay. That's like the baby, I think. Um, and this one's not as bad, but it's the only like older name that I saw on the cast list. Esther. That's just like a classic 
older generation yes. name that they revived sounds like and once again i never read along for the ride but i did read a plot synopsis after deciding on this story and all i can say about this storyline it is prime white people problems really like it's it, once again it's very reminiscent of the last song where she like goes to this town to stay with her father for a little bit and he's not very open to spending time with her meanwhile she's like running around town with this other boy and it just seems like I don't know if it's necessarily something that I'd be interested in watching Mm -hmm. um but who knows I really enjoyed the first to all the boys I loved before movie so maybe it'll pleasantly surprise me Sometimes, like, if you're in the mood for that kind of thing, like, a little lighthearted, like, fluff without all the the seriousness can be enjoyable, but um, we know Alyssa loves her culture, and that's why we have a podcast with that as her segment, so say um, Hollis and Auden, they don't, they don't sound like they're bringing the culture to this, so. Neither does Disney. <laughs> the girl that's trying to take my name, Belissa, like, what? Ma'am. I, Yeah. I can, I, that's an interesting Hollis to me just sounds like it was somebody's maiden name that they wanted to keep in the family yeah no Hollis definitely sounds like a name that would be very popular in 2021 yeah definitely to me I mean at least there's no like McKaylee true true that <laughs> yeah I've heard uh worse worse super white names <laughs> Mick Braley yeah, McBraley. No tea, okay. no shade to anyone if your name is, in fact, McBraley or McKaylee, but, you know. Yeah, I mean, this is coming from someone who has, like, the classic old lady name, so I can't really judge anybody for what their name is here. I love Annabelle's name, personally. I'm a big fan of her f- full name, which I'm not going to disclose on air, Please but I love, <laughs> I love her name. I love it so much. It's one of my Ugh. favorites. My middle name is terrible. It's so great. What are you talking about? Okay. So to end this segment, I just wanted to ask you if you had any Sarah Dessen books that you uh, preferred over along for the ride, or if any, you can remember, because I personally have two that I remember. I think I remember someone like you. um, That's the one I have. Like, uh, dream something. Dreamland, maybe? I think, I, yeah, Dreamland. I think that's okay, yeah. I vaguely remember those two. Those yeah. got passed around at summer camp. We would switch copies. Did you read Just Listen? I think I did. That was like the last one I ever read by Sarah Dessen. And its main character is actually named Annabelle. She doesn't spell it the same way you do. But that one in particular is, I mean... I can't sit here and say someone like you is like lighthearted material because it's like centered around the death and pregnancy of like 15 year olds Mm -hmm. anyways but just listen is really intense and it made me like mad for the girl because like the whole the whole thing I'm not going to spoil it in case you want to go back and read some Sarah Dessen but this girl is like being ostracized by like everybody, like her friends, students at her school. And you like spend the majority of the book trying to figure out what did she do to make everyone like hate her so much. And when it's revealed, it's like, what? Absolutely not. So it just, uh, it just made me angry. Like it's, uh, and I know that's like, obviously like Sarah Dessen was trying to like bring light 
to mm-hmm. the subject, like make sure that people know like, hey, this isn't okay. But in the moment as like a 12 year old reading the book, I was very upset. Yeah, absolutely. No, I don't blame you for that at all. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's pretty much all I have today. Yeah, well, we know um, if it's on Netflix, the most valuable real estate in the world is at the top of the Netflix homepage. Absolutely. So if that is where they put this, I'm sure it will get ample amounts of streams. Which I'm sure they will. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, anything Netflix puts out, I feel like it's, it's generally like at least explored a little bit. I don't know how many people follow through with it and watch all of it, but um, it's definitely... Definitely eye-grabbing when it's on that front page there. Uh-huh. All right. Alyssa, you got anything else for us? Are you ready to wrap this up? Uh, the Oscars are tonight. I'm trying to figure out if my friends are going to stay up and watch it with me or if I should just turn in for the night. It. I'm a terrible person because I always say, like, yeah, I'm staying up, but then I remember, like, what my schedule is actually like, and the day of comes, and I'm like, do I want to stay up and lose my valuable sleep but regardless i will be following what happens and i will be reporting on it most likely next week so Mm -hmm. Alyssa's night shift schedule is not conducive to award ceremonies on sunday nights it's not how dare they take away my one joy in life (sighs) i'm sorry i do have a shout out on business end for you because Mm -hmm. we haven't talked about them in a few weeks uh my boy secured two major brand deals this week i don't know if you heard about it i did not okay so boys are bts by the way yes bts has announced that they are actually partnering with mcdonald's come the end of may similar to how uh travis scott did a few years ago and they're gonna have their own meal which is really cool also they are now, all seven of them, not just one, all seven are brand ambassadors for Louis Vuitton now. Ooh, that's yeah. a fun one. I know, right? So it was, a, it was a busy old week for the armies. So bougie BTS. Get a Big Mac with BTS stamped on it. I know, right? <laughs> are they going to have toys in the Happy Meals? Like, can you get the little, the little can you get little um, action figures of them? I really would hope so. Uh, some people are joking because, you know, in their albums, you get like little photo cards of them and it's always a surprise who you're going to get in each album. So some people are like, oh, there's going to be a photo card in each like BTS Happy Meal. <laughs> so fun. They should do that. In the drive-through, just going back and forth. Yeah. But yeah, an interesting little thing. And to that, I say on the Louis Vuitton end, um, if BTS is not invited to the Met Gala, I will oh, be I'm sure they will be having a fit because not only just because of this, but they're major players in the fashion game these days. Yeah. If you see them on any red carpet, they're killing it. And mm. yes, I'm biased, but also it's fact. So <laughs> yeah, I thought you'd be interested in those like little tidbits from this. Week. Yeah, no, thank you for sharing. I do actually have one update on a previous story, which I always hate when I have like a strong opinion about something and then as it evolves like I womp womp like I put my foot in my mouth so we talked a few weeks ago about um Microsoft potentially buying discord yeah and how it was like a very cool like strategic alignment for Microsoft um <laughs> it came out this week discord prefers to stay independent at this time oh so well you know that deal is off the table um I guess we'll have to see I think if discord is able to keep up their user base they could 
potentially, you know, just be a strong player on their own. But I think if you see them kind of wavering a little bit, um, I think they could get snapped up. So it's, it's off the table for now, but we'll see what happens in the future. That's okay. That's not your fault at all. No, just, I mean, yeah, no, but Discord didn't call me up and be like, hey, Annabelle, like, just so you know, you like, should we, should we make this merger or not? And I would have been You're like, on speed dial. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, uh, I am nobody's M&A consultant, but I thought that would have been a cool deal for strategic reasons, but I totally get it. I mean, that's a big, it's a big deal to join into the Microsoft family when you could stay independent and you've been doing well by yourself. So. Yeah, totally. I get it. You gotta do your own thing, Discord. We support them no matter what. Absolutely. Even though we don't use their platform because we're not gamers, but that's okay. Speak for yourself. No, I'm just, I, I, I like video games, but I do not play them nearly enough to call myself a gamer. So. Mm. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for joining us this week. We hope you enjoyed our stories. We will be back probably with an Oscar recap next week. Um, and we'll be on pins and needles to see what happens in the big bad world of business. So have a good week, everybody. We'll talk to you soon. Yay. That was graspy as mess.